Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. Richard Lane on the line and it's Friday, March the 8th. Now around a decade ago, a new coronavirus emerged. A coronavirus which caused something called Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, or SARS. It's virtually a decade since it was first reported. And 10 years later, worryingly, we're dealing with a new coronavirus. So there are some interesting parallels between SARS and what's happening today. Earlier, I spoke to David Heyman, who is the author of a comment in this week's issue. My name's David Heyman, and I'm the head and senior fellow at the Chatham House Centre on Global Health Security in London. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. You're the author of a fascinating comment in the current issue of The Lancet, and it's really an anniversary, maybe one we don't necessarily want to remember, but it's we, we have learned important lessons from it. Early in 2003, and I remember it at the time because I was working at The Lancet, and we published a lot of the papers about this emerging coronavirus that uh, was causing something called Severe Acute Respiratory Sy- Syndrome, SARS. So obviously... Your comment is talking about SARS a decade on, but it's not just a history lesson. It's actually looking at what we learned from that outbreak, particularly in light of this new and emerging coronavirus 10 years later. So there's a certainly certain sort of ominous uh, symmetry about this in terms of uh, anniversaries. But let's start off, David. Can you just remind us, just talk us through briefly the history of the way SARS evolved? Because it is 10 years ago and it's a fascinating story, isn't it? Yes, it is quite a fascinating story. 10 years ago... Um, the world was already on the alert because there was an outbreak of some type of respiratory disease going on in the Guangdong province of China. And periodically reports would come out of China, not official reports, but informal reports about this outbreak. So there was heightened surveillance in the area, fearing that this might be the beginning of a pandemic of influenza. H5N1 had come from the Guangdong province in China, and it was a fear that this was possibly a pandemic beginning, um, a mutation occurring in the H5N1 virus. So the world was alert and and ready to pounce should something occur. And what happened was that this disease actually spread in a health worker from China, from the Guangdong province, into Hong Kong. It spread in a doctor who had been treating patients with an unknown respiratory infection, and he was quite sick. And by staying overnight, One night in a hotel in central Hong Kong, he was able to somehow transmit this infection, which we now know was a virus, to several other people staying in that hotel who returned to their homes uh, in Canada, in Singapore, and others who went to Vietnam, a businessman who went to Vietnam, and others uh, who returned to their homes in Hong Kong infected with this new disease. It rapidly came to the attention of the world through a very sick uh, traveler who went to Vietnam and was hospitalized there. And by the time the 15th of March came along, it was known that people had returned to Canada and to Singapore with this infection as well as to Vietnam, and that health workers were beginning to be infected not only in Vietnam, in Singapore, and in Canada, but in Hong Kong as well. So an epidemic began an epidemic that spread throughout the world and an epidemic that came from the Guangdong province of China into Hong Kong. How well did the world react to the emergence of SARS? Because clearly it was, it was a very acute, extra, extraordinary time. I mean, this ties in with what lessons did we learn? What did the world do well at that time? And what, do, um, what would we do differently if SARS was emerging now? Well, this outbreak occurred at a time in history when there was 
global detection going on around the world through the internet, through web-based systems that were crawling the web, looking for outbreaks of infectious disease. And it also occurred when the world had begun to work together on outbreaks such as Ebola, such as um, um, meningitis, cholera, and other diseases which occurred um, throughout the world and which required a global response and global partners. So the world had begun to work in a collaborative way, and when the SARS outbreak occurred, occurred, that collaboration continued at an even greater scale, which made it possible to manage this outbreak virtually. In other words, to take real-time information or real-time evidence and translate it into policy almost immediately. And so there was a group of epidemiologists working together. Those are the people who tell when, where, and how a disease uh, is spreading and occurring. They worked together and rapidly understood what was happening, that this disease was spreading and spreading along airline routes. At the same time, a group of, of virologists were working together and rapidly identified the cause and were able to sequence it and show what had occurred. Um, as far as the pathogen went, and at the same time, a group of clinicians were exchanging information about what worked and what didn't work as they were treating patients with this disease. The world really was ready for this because of its electronic communications, and it permitted real-time management of an outbreak for the first time. And finally, there is this threat, or, or it's already not just a threat, it's already had action. There is an emerging new coronavirus. What can you tell us about this virus and, and what, what parallels are there to SARS and, and how, how are we going to respond to, to, to this latest coronavirus? Well, this virus emerged at a time um, in history when the world was ready to work together. It has worked together in the past. It's shown how effective this can be, and it was ready to work together again when this virus was identified. The reports came just before religious pilgrimage, the Hajj, to Saudi Arabia, and so it was very important that the information was handled in the right way in order not to cause unnecessary concern and panic among pilgrims, but at the same time to be sure that it was clearly understood and that we could understand what was going on. The Health Protection Agency here in the UK, other laboratories, laboratories from the Netherlands and from elsewhere around the world worked with countries from where patients had come, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and Jordan, and together with the World Health Organization began what continues to be a risk assessment of this new virus, looking at what's occurring, trying to determine why it's occurring, where the virus is coming from, and its epidemic potential. That risk assessment involves surveillance, looking for new cases of infection in those who have severe respiratory disease, and, and it, it includes many other um, research issues which are either going on or beginning to go on. But this is a very, very serious virus. People who were infected up to four months ago are still on assisted respiration in some hospitals. So the disease is very severe. It's typical of a disease that crosses that border between animals and humans and infects humans and then can cause serious illness in humans. We need to be on the alert for these diseases. They occur regularly. We have to have that global preparedness to detect and respond together because that's really the legacy of SARS, working together to deal with an outbreak that could become an endemic disease in the future. Are you confident that we're going to manage this latest coronavirus because of the measures we're using in light of what happened with SARS? Or is that too complacent a statement? Is, it, is there still a very real threat from this new coronavirus? 
there is a, a threat from this coronavirus, and like all new, newly identified human infections, research must continue until the risk assessment can be done and the risk assessment shows that it is or isn't a risk. That risk assessment involves epidemiological studies, it involves good surveillance to detect the geographic spread of this disease, and it also includes studies to determine where it's coming from in nature and how to stop it. So right now this is a disease that appears to periodically be infecting humans from some source in nature. It hasn't yet, we believe, develop the capacity to spread easily from human to human, and we certainly hope that that doesn't occur. Well, it's fascinating read. Really good to talk to you. David Heyman, many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thank you. Many thanks indeed to David Heyman. See you next week.